The Westminster Confession of Faith was first published in 1646. It was the result of the hard work done by a group of men called the Westminster Divines. Their goal was to outline what they believed the Scriptures principally taught. And it has been said that the Church of Christ cannot be creedless and live. Thankfully, the Westminster Confession of Faith has been the creed of the Reformed Church for almost 400 years. This podcast seeks to point you to Christ, to help you navigate the Westminster Confession of Faith, and to see you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Welcome to This We Confess. Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 13, of Sanctification, Paragraphs 2 and 3. This sanctification is throughout in the whole man, yet imperfect in this life, there abiding still some remnants of corruption in every part, whence ariseth a continual and irreconcilable war, the flesh lusting against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Paragraph 3. In which war, although the remaining corruption, for a time may much prevail, yet through the continual supply of strength from the sanctifying Spirit of Christ, the regenerate part doth overcome. And so the saints grow in grace, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. War. What is it good for? Apparently, absolutely nothing. But according to the Westminster Divines, there is a war that rages in the life of the Christian. And this war has a good and a purpose, and that is that the old self, the old man, the old woman, is more and more being put to death, and Christians are being sanctified. Paragraph 1 told us exactly that, that not just some Christians are being sanctified, not just the good Christians, the special Christians, but all of those who know the Lord as their Saviour. They have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, the Word is preached into their lives on a regular basis, and the Lord God Almighty is growing up Christians to make them more like Christ. And so as believers, we can expect to see progress in sanctification in our lives. And this sanctification, as paragraph 2 begins, is throughout in the whole man, or indeed the whole woman. We are not just sanctified in our bodies. We're not just sanctified in our minds. We're not just sanctified in our words or our thoughts. But throughout, we are being made to look more like Christ throughout our whole self. The Christian can expect for their minds to be sanctified, for our thoughts to turn more and more to the things of God. The Christian can expect our tongues, that world of fire, as James tells us in his epistle. We can expect our speech to become more considered. We can expect to become less angry and to fly off the handle in this life. We can expect to control our temper. We can expect to control our appetites. Sanctification is throughout in the whole man or woman, any child of God. And what a deeply encouraging statement it is to begin this paragraph. The Lord is working out his purposes in us. He is sanctifying us. He has begun the work and he will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Sanctification is not all about us getting on with the work. The Lord is working in us. 
and he will do that work throughout the whole man or woman of God. It is, as Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is clear. Sanctification is throughout. And what a joy this is for a Christian like me who sits at this microphone with his big belly sitting on his knee. The Lord will sanctify us. He will help those of us who can't control our appetites. The Lord is sanctifying us so that we are no longer controlled by the demands of our belly. And what a delight this is for those of us who run off at the mouth, those of us who can't resist a bit of gossip. The Lord is sanctifying us and he is sanctifying our words. He is sanctifying our thoughts. He is sanctifying our eyes and and what they desire. The sanctification of the Lord God Almighty is throughout in his children. And yet, whilst this is desperately encouraging, it is tempered by the next statement of the Westminster Divines, who tell us that this whole sanctification, this sanctification which is throughout the child of God, is imperfect in this life. There are abiding still some remnants of corruption in every part. There are some well-meaning Christians who believe that perfection is possible in this life, but we would have to politely disagree with those who think that in this life you can be made perfect. Sanctification in this life is always going to be imperfect. John says in 1 John 1 and 10, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Or in other words, to paraphrase, if we say that we are perfect, then we make God a liar and his word, his truth, is not in us. And Paul writes in Romans 7 that he knows nothing good dwells in him that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Verse 23. Paul knows the constant struggle as a believer. He knows that we are being sanctified in every part, and yet as well he knows that that sanctification is imperfect in this life. Because in every part of every single Christian, some remnants of corruption remain. And so Paul is able to say in Philippians 3 and verse 12 that he hasn't already obtained this or is already perfect, but he presses on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul was not expecting perfection this side of glory. And so, my brothers and sisters, neither should we. However, that does not let us off the hook. That does not let us sit back and say, well, I'll never be perfect, so I'm just not going to bother. No, we love the Lord, and therefore we love his law, we love his word, and we seek to obey and follow him every single day, knowing that the Holy Spirit is at work within us, sanctifying us and putting to death the old man or old woman, making us more like Christ, although that work on this side of heaven will not be complete. You see, there is a constant and irreconcilable war, say the Westminster Divines. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. If you are a believer, then you will have experienced this war. If you tell me today I am a Christian and I always do what is right, I never ever sin, I never ever experience temptation, then my dear brother or sister, I think you are deluded. You are kidding yourself. 
there is this continual and irreconcilable war in the heart of every believer. Paul says in Galatians 5 and 17, The desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And Peter agrees in 1 Peter 2 and 11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Both Paul and Peter agree that there is this continual and irreconcilable war in the lives of believers. And back to the question that we began this podcast with, war, what is it good for? Well, in the believer's case, we can be sure that this war will be won by the Lord himself. He is not going to leave some of his children unsanctified. He is not going to leave others perfectly sanctified whilst everybody watches on with jealousy in their eyes. The Lord is sanctifying his people. They are going to be a people for his own possession. And as we stated last week from Hebrews 12 and 14, we need to strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. My brothers and sisters, today, please understand that this war rages within you. Please understand that you are called to use the ordinary means of grace to fight this war. And please understand that the Spirit is active in you. He is sanctifying you every single day. And he is not going to lose the battle of sanctification in your life. I find this paragraph a challenge but also an encouragement. Every day I struggle, every day I stumble and fall, every day I look in the mirror and think, what a sinful wretch am I? But every day I realize that the Lord is doing a work in me. It amazes me that he is doing this work. It amazes me that Christ died for one as ungodly as myself. But he died for me. He loved me before I loved him. He paid the price for my sins. And now by the Holy Spirit, he is sanctifying me. He has grown me up in the faith, in grace. He is making me look more and more like my Saviour. This work is happening. You will not be perfect in this life. There will be a constant and irreconcilable war between the flesh and the spirit. But you will stand in the resurrection. You will be made perfect when Christ returns. And we long for that day. And to underline that, Paragraph 3 tells us that sometimes in this war, the remaining corruption in us for a time may much prevail. Or in other words, say the divines, there are some times in the Christian life where you will not feel like a particularly good Christian. There are some times in the Christian life where it might seem to you and those around you that the sin in you, the remaining corruption in you is prevailing. We have all seen it, and brothers and sisters, we have seen it in ourselves. And it is, as Paul writes in Romans 7 and 23, I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. What a wretch I am, says Paul, speaking about himself, and we could all absolutely agree with him. Sometimes, in the believer's life, the remaining sin and corruption in us may seem to prevail. And yet, say the Westminster Divines, through the continual supply of strength 
from the sanctifying spirit of Christ, the regenerate part doth overcome. My brothers and sisters, here is the victory that we have already spoken of. There is no chance that you will not be sanctified. There is not a single percentage chance that you are somehow going to be left in your body of sin. The Lord every day gives us a constant supply of strength from the Holy Spirit who dwells within us and one day guaranteed absolutely 100% fact the regenerate part will overcome. Paul writes in Romans 6 and 14, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. The Lord is not leaving you in your sin, and he will not leave you in your sin when the day comes. And John writes in 1 John 5 and 4, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. As we have received and rested in Christ as he has offered in the gospel, as we have put our faith in him, then something dramatic has happened. John tells us anyone who has been born again, born of God, anyone who is saved, will overcome this world. And the victory has been won because we have trusted in Jesus. And so sometimes as believers, it may seem that the remaining corruption is prevailing. Yet, We have not been left alone. We have the Holy Spirit who gives us a constant supply of strength. Every single day he builds us up. Every day he encourages us and cajoles us and rebukes us and leads us to Jesus. Every day we read the word. Every time we hear it preached. Every time we come to the sacraments. Every time we bend the knee in prayer. Every single time we use these ordinary means. The Lord is sanctifying us and strengthening us, and fighting the battle where the victory will be won by the regenerate, not by the remaining corruption. And so, say the Westminster Divines, the saints grow in grace. I love how they've written this. I love this little phrase. It it seems so perfect, just a few words, but absolutely meaning so much. And so, the saints grow in grace. It's a fact. It is a truth. You and I, as men and women of faith, we are called to be saints. We are growing in grace. We will grow in grace. Yes, there will be times we will fall and stumble, but the saints grow in grace. Yes, there will be time it will feel that our hearts are hard and and we want nothing to do with the people of God or the things of God, but yet the saints grow in in grace. This is true about your life, my brothers and sisters, especially those of you today who hear this and wonder where this progress is, wonder where this victorious Christian life is, wonder why things aren't going the way for you the way they are for your brother or sister in Christ. For you, weak and tender-hearted saint, you are and will grow in grace. Peter says in his second letter, in verse 3 and 18, But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, We all with on-field face, 
beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Again, the apostles agree with one another. We are growing in grace. We grow in grace as we know more about our Lord and Saviour Jesus. Every single day we are being transformed into that same image of Christ from one degree of glory to another. The Lord is doing this work, says Paul. It comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, sanctification is not about your progress. It's not about your strength. It's not about your abilities. It's not about all the things that you do. Salvation is of the Lord. Justification is of the Lord. Adoption is of the Lord. And sanctification is of the Lord. He is doing this work. And you and I, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, are being made more and more holy. Teddy Donnelly writes this, We are not doomed to live with our immaturities forever. The mighty Spirit is working within us. He is subduing our indwelling sin and making us more and more like the Saviour. We can expect to see in ourselves substantial and significant growth in grace. In this life, says Teddy Donnelly, we will become more holy. In this life, brothers and sisters, we will become more holy. And so as we know this truth, we respond to it as the Westminster Divines finish by saying that we are perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And so as we listen to these truths today, our response is not to turn inward. I trust that None of us today will respond to this by saying, I must try harder, I must do more. Instead, I point you away from yourself and I point you to the Lord Jesus. He has promised that he will sanctify us. He has given us his spirit who is carrying out this work. He has given us the ordinary means of grace. And so, dearly beloved, my brothers and sisters, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Let us run to Jesus today. Let us read his word. Let us study it. Let us sit under it. Let us seek out preachers of the gospel. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another as we meet on a Sunday. Every single brother or sister you meet is going through the same sanctification struggles as you. Have words of encouragement. Pray with and for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Understand that you are being made more holy. Understand that there will be times that you will fall. Understand that sanctification isn't all about you. And understand in the middle of it all, in the middle of the war that rages, this irreconcilable war, understand when you fall into sin. Understand when you do not feel like you're being sanctified. Understand that the saints grow in grace. As always today, we've got some questions for you to consider. Question one. 
What do we mean when we say that sanctification is throughout? Question 2. Why is perfection not possible for the Christian in this life? Question 3. What two words are used to describe the war that rages within us? Question 4. What tools do we have at our disposal in this war? Question 5. According to the Westminster Divines, the saints grow in grace. How can we be sure that this is true? And question 6. Why is the statement that sanctification is of the Lord so encouraging? That's all for today. As always, my name is Scott Woodburn. And until next time, this we confess. Thank you.